Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. So how many people are here that are done with their shopping? That's a lot of you that has not done their shopping. <laughs> Did you hear about the guy that went out and bought his wife a beautiful diamond? His friend said, I thought she wanted an SUV. She did, he replied, but I couldn't find a fake Jeep. (laughs) The Bible has a wonderful phrase, from everlasting to everlasting. And for just a moment, think about that phrase. That which this child brings will be from everlasting on this hand and everlasting on the other hand. It stretches the mind beyond where we can in any way comfortably go. And for those of you that just want the facts, so to speak, everlasting father or abiad, it's actually a hyphenated word and it means pretty much what you think it might mean. Abi, which is father, which it's the root word where we get the word abbot, or from the chief father at a monastery, for instance. Odd, which is everlasting, or eternal, or unceasing in duration. The child born in Bethlehem will be recognized as eternal. He had no beginning, he has no end. He existed before he came to earth, and he will exist forever. People were living in shaky times, so they wanted something that they could cling to. Is that us today? People in shaky times want someone they can depend on, a father figure, so to speak. He said first, the one who's coming is everlasting. In other words, he's eternal. He's always existed, and he always will. Now, we find this in Scripture that Christ has always existed forever. Pastor read it just a moment ago, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we behold his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. As we go into the season, there are two things that most people look for in this world. Time and stability. The child would bring a new dynamic of a relationship into this world, and this relationship would be an internal one, an everlasting relationship. Now, over the years, you have been a part of relationships with one another and others who are not here. As you mature, you notice that those relationships change, and they move with the winds of time. Nothing is permanent. Things change. I know we don't like that word, but it's very common in our vocabulary because it happens all the time. 
when Jesus comes into our life and becomes your friend, he becomes your friend who is a friend forever. He does not change. He doesn't grow stale in his relationship to you. Time doesn't affect how close he is to you. He doesn't become uninterested in you and what is happening in your life. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. There is wonderful permanency in that statement, isn't it? With our relationship to Christ, it is a permanent one, not one that will be here and gone tomorrow. The child who was to come would change forever the conditions and dynamic of relations. Now, we're going to look at three of these qualities this morning about what the everlasting Father means to us. First, Christ's character does not change. The Christian composer Chris Tomlin's song, Forever, which we sing here very often, is right on target with praising God as our eternal Father for His goodness, His faithfulness, His love, and mercy. And the words in the song are this, and you know this one. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For He is good, He is above all things. His love endures forever. From the rising to the setting sun, His love endures forever. By the grace of God, we will carry on. His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise. Forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. Forever God is with us. Forever. Here's a fact. Jesus being part of the Trinity, Jesus being God, means that the character of Jesus does not change. His mercy, his love, his grace, his forgiveness does not change. From the dawning of the day to the setting of the sun, his character does not change. From the beginning of time to eternity, Jesus' character never alters. Look at what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we find this example in the prodigal son. We could go deeper into that, but we know the story. This is where it is illustrated. The second thing I want to touch on is Christ's compassion does not change. Throughout the Gospels, we find that Jesus was full of compassion. Matthew 9, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Mark chapter 1, now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, you will be cleansed. And in Luke chapter 15, but while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. So what is compassion? Now, if you were to go look it up in the dictionary, it might look a little different than you might imagine. 
Compassion is this, suffering with one another. Painful sympathy, sympathy, a sensation of sorrow excited by the distress or misfortunes of another. Compassion is a mixture of passion compounded with love and sorrow. When Jesus sees us in our distress, he has compassion on us. When he sees the mess we've made of our lives, he is moved with compassion. When life has been hard, when we have been dealt a bad hand, when disaster after disaster occurs and it follows us around like a little puppy, he shows his compassion. God is always moved with compassion. The compassion of Jesus moves in to rescue us. The compassion of Jesus does not change. Scott Wesley Brown affirms the compassion of eternal Father in his song, He Will Carry You. There is no problem too big, he cannot solve it. There is no mountain too tall, he cannot move it. There is no storm too dark, God cannot calm it. There is no sorrow too deep, he cannot soothe it. If he carried the weight of the world upon his shoulders, I know, my brother, that he will carry you. If he carried the weight of the world upon his shoulders, I know, my sister, he will carry you. He said, come unto me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Not only does Christ's character and compassion not change, but we also know that Christ's commitment does not change. I grew up in a home where there was no father present because our, my father abandoned us. And I know this is not the case in some families, but in this case, my family history, my father wasn't there, but... Thanks to God, that is not the case in our heavenly family. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. For his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. The Lord is good for those who wait for him. To the person who seeks him, it is the good to wait for deliverance from the Lord. We must continue to wait upon the Lord. We must continue to put our hope in the Lord. That is the only way we're going to find happiness. That is the only way we're going to know exactly what God has called us to do. We have to focus where he tells us to focus. Jesus is our eternal father. He is always there for you and I. He will never abandon us. His character does not change. His compassion does not change. And his commitment certainly does not change. We must turn to him. We must worship him. We must praise him to no end and commit ourselves to him. Because he wants to establish a permanent relationship with us. We know that Jesus Christ is eternal, without a beginning or an end. 
Psalms 90, verse 2, Before the mountains were born, or you were brought forth, the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. His love towards us is everlasting. Jesus will never stop loving us. He can never love us any more or any less than he does right now. But with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, he says. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Aren't these wonderful promises? Promises that should come from a father. Promises that should come from somebody that loves us unconditionally. Because we know that his covenant with us is everlasting. God has entered into a covenant relationship with us. You might say, well, that's like a marriage covenant, right? Till death do us part. But you should know there's no such clause in God's covenant to us. Ezekiel 37, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them and increase their numbers. And I will put my sanctuary among them forever. My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God. And they will be my people. Jesus is our Father. He is eternal. He has always existed and will always exist. The second part of this phrase we know is Father. His son was born a child. But look what happened when Jesus grew up. He cared for people like a father does. He nurtured sick back to health like a father does. He prayed for people like a father does. He was there for people like a strong and dependable father should be. You know, I mention all this and I get excited when I think about my relationship to Jesus Christ because I know while I might not have had an earthly father to guide me, I know that he's there and he's guiding me and he's guiding you because I know that some of us feel like we've been robbed of that in our life. And then sometimes we we tend to fill it with things that fill that gap, but there's only one thing that can fill that gap, and that's the love of Jesus Christ. And so I rely upon that. And I know that with that help from him, I turn can turn around and be a good father as well. So what title, as we Americans, give to George Washington? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we call him a founding father, do we not? We call him the father of our nation. And we have no problem calling him a father of our nation because he was there and involved in its conception. They were there as it was being formed. Could that be what the title eternal father refers to? You know, some don't have a very good image of a father, the one that might have been anything but everlasting, possibly temporary, is more like it. But here's what we're told. Whoever we are, the Messiah will be called everlasting father to us. He will be there forever, and he will not follow the pattern of brokenness that so many of our fathers passed on to us. 
As our everlasting Father, He will do what other fathers are called to do. Provide for us. Watch over us. And yes, even discipline us. As our everlasting Father, Jesus gives us acceptance and approval. In Jesus, I find acceptance and approval. When the woman at the well, Jesus knew all about her sin, but he befriended her anyway. The woman who was caught in adultery, he said, neither do I condemn you. He says the same to us. And about himself, he says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He is not waiting for us to perform. He does not withhold his love from us for some sort of trial period. We don't have to prove our worthiness for his love. No, he just loves us. And he lavishes his love upon me and he lavishes it upon you. But I'm not special, believe me. He loves every one of us. Now, your father may or may not have given you such affirmation, but you can find it in Jesus Christ. Jesus is our everlasting father because our father gives life. In a human sense, we were created by our parents, but in a larger sense, we were created by our heavenly father. Genesis 2-7, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. John 1-3, through Jesus all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Jesus not only gives us physical life, but more importantly, he gives us spiritual life. Our Father gives advice. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. How many times over the years have we asked our fathers for advice? After all, they've been where we are, or they're already there where we're trying to get to. So we ask for advice. Mark Twain said this, When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to age 21, I was astonished at how much the old man learned in seven years. We don't realize what our fathers mean to us until we get to that point of understanding. And God says we need to understand him. But I know a lot of us will go through and we read and we don't quite understand. So God knew when he was to send his son to earth that he was giving us an opportunity to understand him. He dwelt among us. He sent the child to teach us. John 59, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. I really love it when my boys come and give me a hug. Because I know they're looking for 
shelter. They're looking for love. And that's the way we need to look at Jesus as our Father. We know that He loves us even more than any earthly father could ever love us. And I know He'll always be there to put His nail scarred hands around me and remind me how much I'm loved. Because we know when He does that, we know that our Father protects us. When our kids are afraid, where's the first place they run? Hopefully it's to your arms. Sometimes it's the mother, sometimes it's the dad. But when your kids are in your arms, not only do they know they're loved, but they also know that they're safe and secure, no matter what is happening around them. They know that their parent or their father is going to protect them. Jesus does the same thing. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. Second Thessalonians 3.3 3, The Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Jesus never lets his guard down, and he never lets us down. He is always there for us to run to, to keep us safe, to protect us from evil. He will never allow us to slip away from him. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they followed me. Give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Jesus is our everlasting Father. He has a permanent and paternal relationship with us. And as my everlasting Father, we know that Jesus disciplines us. He doesn't just simply accept us and approve us and say he's proud of us. He wants us to grow up. He wants us to mature into men and women who fulfill the great dreams and hopes he has for us. And because of this, sometimes we're in need of discipline. Proverbs 3, 11, and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father and the son he delights in. We have to understand God. And understand that, we also have to understand that he makes himself understandable. Let me give you an example. There's a story of a famous Danish philosopher from the mid-1800s. He's a Christian theologian named Soren Kierkegaard. Maybe you've heard of him. It's a familiar story, a story written uh, many times over the ages in many different forms. But yet, even during this Christmas season, it's very relevant today. Here's what he wrote. A prince wanted to find a maiden suitable to be his queen. One day, while running an errand in the local village for his father... He passed through a poor section. As he glanced out the windows of the carriage, his eyes fell upon a beautiful peasant maiden. During the ensuing days, he often passed by the young lady, and soon they fell in love. But he had a problem. How would he seek her hand? He could order her to marry him, but even a prince wants his bride to marry him freely and voluntarily and not through coercion. 
He could put on his most splendid uniform and drive up to her front door in a carriage drawn by six horses. But if he did this, he would never be certain that the maiden loved him or was simply overwhelmed with all of the splendor. The prince came up with another solution. He would give up his kingly robe. He moved into the village, entering not with a crown, but in the garb of a peasant. He lived among the people, shared their interests and concerns, and he talked their language. In time, the maiden grew to love him because of who he was and because he loved her first. This very simple, almost childlike story is what John describes in the Bible. God came and lived among us. He had to reveal himself to us in an understandable way. And this is precisely what Jesus did. He became flesh just like you and me. He made himself understandable. That's what the Christmas season is about. It's about God loving us so much that he wanted to be with us. He wanted to be that everlasting father. He wanted to fulfill his promises, and he did that through his son here on earth. Finally, we know that our salvation is eternal. God's punishment, his anger, his wrath were completely exhausted in the death of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. So that for those who are in Christ, there will never be any judgment or condemnation. God's attitude towards us will never be anything but complete love and goodness. Listen to these promises. Hebrews 5.9, And once made perfect, Jesus became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. John 10, 28, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. God came to be with us. He came to establish a permanent relationship with us. And the, the wonderful thing, the wonder, most wonderful promise, and the best gift of all we can receive this year or any year, is when, when Jesus saves us, he saves us forever. If you've entered into that covenant with God by trusting completely in and giving your life to Jesus Christ, you can be assured that his covenant and his salvation will never end. Our Messiah, our everlasting Father, has a permanent relationship with us. His love, his covenant, and his salvation are everlasting. I'm going to close with Deuteronomy 33, 27. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting God, everlasting arms. Do you know the Father? Do you know why he came to be on earth with you? Why he gave so many sacrifices to us even though we did not deserve it? To give us peace in a time where no peace seemed to be found. God sent his son 
to take away all those doubts, to make himself understandable so that we could know the love and peace through his son, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, let our hearts rejoice in knowing that you are our everlasting Father. We recognize your love, your peace, and your grace in our ministry. Lord, we take pride in your promise that you will always be with us. We ask that we may never take your goodness and your faithfulness for granted. Let our hearts rejoice in you always. Lord, in this season, when we celebrate and recognize the gift that you gave of your Son, Jesus Christ, let us be mindful of the significance of that gift. You loved us so much that you wanted to be with us. You wanted to establish that relationship with all who will believe. Your love could never be matched or replicated because your love is everlasting. I pray that we as your servants will approach this time with others in a way that is compassionate, genuine, and giving of ourselves so that they would only see you. Thank you for the gift of salvation, and thank you that that gift is one that all can receive. Help us to put our trust in you and to always humble ourselves before you. Help us to focus on the work you have called us to do. Do not let anything sway us away from our true mission and vision. And when all is said and done, you will be glorified. May we serve you, our everlasting Father, in everything we say and do. And now as we leave here for a time of fellowship, I pray that you will bless our time together and the hands that have prepared the meal that we will receive. I pray now as Dave closes with us that we focus our minds and our hearts Mm. on the true meaning of the season and to recognize that you are the everlasting Father. And all of God's people said, Amen. Let's stand together. Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to call on him now and through a simple prayer of faith, give your life to him. If you're not attending a church that honors the Bible as the word of God, we encourage you to locate and begin attending such a church in the area where you live. The message you have just heard was preached from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. For more information on the ministry of First Baptist Church, Winton, please visit our website at wintonchurch.org.